Aloha Will Travel Podcast. My name is Kevin Allen. Unfortunately, there is no Catherine Toth Fox here today. She had to uh, step out for a meeting, but to fill the void that she leaves, uh, we, we have a special guest with us today. If you could introduce yourself. Sure. My name is David Croxford. I'm the uh, lead staff photographer for the brands. Uh, yeah. That we produce all of the so Honolulu magazine, Hawaii Home and Remodeling. That's kind of all under our company, and you're you're the lead photographer for every brand for all of the brands. Yeah, we the brands uh, essentially come to the photography department for um, their photography needs as mon- as many of them as we can fill. Mm-hmm. We do have a group of ph- freelance photographers that we refer to quite reg we we refer to quite regularly uh, when we can't get to a job. Or to a shoot, and that's you and uh, Aaron Yoshino, yep. who, who's our other other uh, staff photographer, a staff photographer, right? And you've been you've held this position for uh, 2007. I started with the company. 2007. So how many years is that? 12 years now. 12 years. I wow, mean, like, it's, it's a, a baker baker's dozen. Yeah, almost almost 13 years. Oh my lord! I started in May of 2007. I'd been freelance up in, until that point. Where was I in 2007? You were a twinkle in your mother's eye. <laughs> I was pretty close, actually. I was 12 years old, so I was just graduating from uh, elementary school. Wow. That's so, sorry to age you there, That's David. okay. But you had an interesting background even before photography. Could you tell me a little bit on your yeah, history I, on how you got into photography? Um, I, I picked up a camera when I was 13. That wow. was a long time ago, Kevin. That was uh, quite a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and essentially kind of played around with with photography from the time I was 13 until I was about 22 or 23. Okay. And you weren't, uh, were were you ever like planning to pursue photography as a a career or? No, no. It was just a fascination at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to join the Air Force, uh, British Air Force. Yes. Um, And unfortunately, I suffer from migraine headaches. Oh, no. And I I had an ego (laughs) the size of Texas and wanted to fly... Um, with the Top Gun guys, really, and, and on my interview with the, my last interview with the Air Force, they told me, "Oh, you no, know, we can't put you in one of those fighter jets. If you, if we send you out on a mission and you get a migraine 300, 400 miles from home, then you're in a fighter jet and you can't see what you're doing." So they told me I could fly uh, th- third seat. So I thought about that, decided I wasn't going to go f- uh, third, th- third seat, third seat, third seat. Third seat. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. It, it is, Kevin. Third seat. <laughs> Third seat in the British Air Force is like flight engineer on a cargo jet. Oh, so definitely not the glory. No, it wasn't the of glory. Top Gun. Right, exactly. You were not going to play volleyball on the no, beach. No, I wasn't. And so I decided, uh, with the help of my father, who put a swift boot in my tail, <laughs> I went off and uh, uh, studied electrical engineering in England. Um, we have a, a process there where if you're interested in the theory of electrical engineering, you become an engineer. If you are interested in the hands-on approach, you're a technologist. And that's where I was. But when I came to the U.S. and Canada mm-hmm. uh, in 1972, now, now that ages me, yeah. uh, in 1972, uh, I ap- applied to do some more uh, studies. And the evaluation was that I had a, a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. I see. So I studied from that point on. And how did you um, uh, how did you get from where you were there uh-huh. all the way across the ocean to our little island of Oahu? Let me make when, it. Did, when did you come here? 
1972. You came to Oahu in... No, I'm sorry, 2000. 2000. You came to Oahu in 2000. I came to the U.S. from England in 1972. If you couldn't tell David's uh, English... Yes. If you couldn't tell from the accent. I can I can make it even thicker if uh-huh. you want me to, but I, this is my normal talking voice. Yeah. <laughs> I came to uh, the U.S. and Canada, firstly Canada in uh, 19, uh, I'm, yeah, 1972. In um, 1983, I migrated across the border because I had become involved with a Christian church and had decided that we were going to go do some mission work came back from the mission work and discovered that I wanted to go and do some uh, studies in uh, pastoral theology. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school to study for an MDiv, Master of Divinity in, in Theology. Okay. Ended up as a pastor for 20 years, but at the same time doing freelance photography, which is kind of an interesting... Uh, yeah, what did, you, what did you shoot as a freelance photographer? I, I, I learned very quickly. Um, I, was, I was studying in Oregon... Uh-huh. And uh, I was supporting a local uh, Photoshop. They discovered uh-huh. my skills as a uh, photographer. As a photographer, and asked me if I would teach a class on sports photography. Oh, the guy who run ran the the photo store also had a, an editor friend who was a McGraw Hill head editor uh-huh. in New York, oh, and wow. they needed a photographer to shoot trucks on the sides of uh, on highways. That is a very unique freelance yeah, job. Yeah, so I started to do that very easy. I was going to say, that sounds... Do you just sit on the side of a road? You, and s- you, you pick a highway uh-huh. that's very picturesque. You sit on the side of the road, and you shoot tractor trailers coming towards you. just wait you. for them. You wait for the good-looking ones. Oh, not and the bad-looking ones. No, not the ones that are dusty and dirty. Yeah, you look, you for, look for the, the guys. freshly washed ones. Yeah, or, or the, the, uh, pulling a, a pretty good... Uh, you know, trailer. Yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. looking trailer. You get the right angle. <laughs> Man. And you shoot these things. You were like an expert in... Trucks. <laughs> in trucks for a little bit, huh? Yeah. And so I, I shifted all of my attention to that because it became... Uh, Did that pay well? Um, it didn't to begin with because you're doing everything on spec. Uh-huh. But once the money starts to roll in, it pay, paid very well because there aren't very many truck photographers I would you're, I would say you're the only one you're yeah. the only truck photographer I know. Well, the, these guys uh, it was a McGraw Hill publication called uh-huh. Fleet Owner. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but it's <laughs> um, all right. Fleet Owner actually um, was the publication. It was a monthly trade publication. They're always looking uh-huh. for cover uh, shots and shots for the inside and yeah. fo- shots for their advertisers and so on. So I. I worked with them for a couple of years, and it was still during the film era. Mm. Um, and because of that, I don't that, know what that is. The f- <laughs> yeah, right. Is that like a? Uh, we made slides, Kevin. <laughs> like a like a memory card? No, no, no. It's it's a, an individual photograph. Okay, we'll get into that some other time. Yeah. But I sent. Uh, I would shoot a roll of film, uh-huh. have it processed, uh, check it out, find out the you know find the really good ones. And then put them in a, a sleeve and send them off to the publisher or the, huh. edit, the film editor at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, from, from there, I went to newspapers and started shooting for newspaper groups in Baltimore and um, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And from there, in 2000, that's a, a real big jump, but yeah. I, it, was, it was 14 years I was doing newspaper photography, mm-hmm. spot news basically, anything that I could get to. Wow. Um, that's a stressful job. Uh, 
it's basically ambulance chasing. Yeah, you're you're really on the yeah. move a lot in yeah, that you, kind of field. I, I, I had a, a police radio scanner in my car, mm-hmm. so any time that I was doing anything, and at that time I was a pastor, so I had a relatively open schedule. There was there were meetings that I had to attend to during the course of the week, and of I course. attended those. There were things that I needed to do, and I att- attended to that. But in the off times, when my schedule was not quite as uh, stiff as it is now, you were you were on the road. I was I was listening, and st- I was studying and listening at the same time. Uh-huh. Huh, interesting. And I, was, I had contacts with uh, a couple of newspaper groups, and they would also call me for. Uh, jobs that they their own staff photographers couldn't do. Uh-huh. And then you and then you made your way to Hawaii. To Hawaii. Yeah, my my oldest son came to UH mm-hmm. to study a master's University degree. University of Hawaii. Yeah, University of Hawaii uh, to do his master's degree in meteorology. We came to visit. Yeah, and you just fell in love. Fell in love the first time I came here. What was the like the first thing you fell in love with? Uh, just the the general climate. Yeah. We came in September. It oh. was absolutely gorgeous. That's a good time to come. Yeah, you're escaping that summer heat, yep. and you're kind of getting into the winter. Right, and we also lived on the North Shore for the time, the duration of the time we were here. The first uh-huh. time I saw big waves, and really big waves. Yeah, winter on a, waves. On a Sunday afternoon in September, and I think it was the first winter <clears throat> swell of that year. Uh huh. Um, we were living in Haleiwa at mm-hmm. my son's uh, apartment, right across the street from Ali uh, Park. Uh huh. And he said, Dad, the swell is coming up this afternoon about 3 o'clock. It should start to show. So we drove up to Pipeline and sat up Pipeline. That's at, a great place to watch the waves at, come in. At 3 o'clock. Yeah. And by 4.15, they were 15 to 20 foot. <laughs> and guys were going nuts. Yeah. I was, I'd never seen waves that big. Uh-huh. Never. Really? And a, a 15 to 20 foot Hawaiian wave is, you know, knocking on... 40-foot doors. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. That's quite the introduction. Yeah. That's awesome. And so then, that, so you decided to move here. Yeah, well, it was two years after that. Uh-huh. A set of circumstances came about, and we uh, we left um, Philadelphia, where I was living at the time, and mm-hmm. just decided, hey, if we're going to do this kind of thing, we've got to do it while we're young enough to do it. And at mm-hmm. the time, I was in my late 40s, early 50s. Oh. So I... So that tells you, everybody, <laughs> how old a guy I am. You just dated yourself. <laughs> yeah. So He's I, provided the timestamp. Uh, so I, we came here in, in uh, September of uh, 2000. Uh-huh. And you've been working with the company since, I'm sorry, that was 2007. Uh, t- no, 2000. I came here in 2000. You came here in 2000. Yeah, I'm, I worked a lot of other jobs between uh-huh. 2000 and 2007. That's right. Trying to do freelance and uh-huh. all kinds of other stuff. And then you landed this gig um, as our lead photographer. Well, at then at that point, they, they were just looking for a staff photographer. Staff photographer at the yeah. time. So I came on board, and I was given the charge of uh, building out the studio, mm-hmm. uh, obtaining all the equipment mm-hmm. that a photographer needs. Uh, yeah. And they wanted it. Uh, they wanted staff photographers to use the equipment owned by the company. I see. So I had the task of uh, building out the studio, and what they had before were. Uh, two basic incandescent lights in a in a uh, reflector. That's all you need. And a white table. That's it. That was it. That's it. We need a you need a little more. Than you that, you made you made some changes uh, yeah. in your time here. So we've we now have two fully equipped staff photographers, mm-hmm. and we ju- we judicially care for the equipment, and, and by that I mean we we only have what we need. Yeah, and you've got, you guys have a great little studio set up too. Yeah, we have, um, uh, I think it's about a 16 by 18 foot room mm-hmm. with a nine foot ceiling. 
uh, any photographers out there will be saying, oh, you need 10-foot or 20-foot ceilings. Sure. Yeah, but that doesn't happen in buildings. No, not in downtown Honolulu. Right. That doesn't happen. So we've, we've uh, made it work, and it mm-hmm. works very well. We have a 9-foot sweep. Yeah. Uh, so we can do our studio portraits in the studio. Mm-hmm. And we go out, and we're basically location commercial photographers. Mm-hmm. We can do pretty much anything. You guys are on the road a lot. Yes, we are. I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of like... Because you have so many stories and so many, you've gone to so many different shoots. What is it kind of like working for so many different brands? Because, you know, each of our brands, Hawaii Magazine, Honolulu Magazine, Hawaii Business, we all kind of have our different styles and approaches to how we want our art and photography done. What is it kind of working, you know, in just so many different uh, styles almost? Um, It's the one thing you have to put your head around or get your head around is uh, when you're working with a brand, that brand has, can have, two or three art directors. Yeah, I mean, ours only has one, but right. I know Honolulu Magazine, um, for example, has two. Yeah. two. Two or three. Two or three. And and uh, Hawaii Business has two or three. Yeah. And they each have their own unique look or feel. Uh-huh. So you, you need to know what the art director is requesting. Yeah. Um, and aside from that, when you're out on a shoot as a star photographer, you're always looking for something else for the, the other thing that may be you think the, st- the art director might like okay. or something for stock files that all of our brands can look at because all of the photography that we produce even if it was an, it's initially produced for the, the magazine a single magazine it's available to everybody yeah it's it's on a searchable da- database we tag it in a certain way so that people can go look for something mm-hmm. if somebody wanted coa furniture for instance and we chop coa furniture on, on a piece for hawaii business those images will be tagged Coa Furniture. Yeah, and you actually, um, we just saw you at a sunflower field. Right. And you had gone on that assignment for Honolulu Magazine, but, you know, you took so many pictures of right. the sunflowers at Hawaii Magazine, we use a, that photography as well for our web story. Right. So it's kind of sharing. Yeah. Any t- anytime there's a, a subject or a topic that's covered by one magazine, there's always the potential for it to be used in some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are not people involved in it, it can be used for advertising as well. Yeah. So there's this whole, you know, that's the, the commercial aspect mm-hmm. of being a photographer for the magazine group. And do you have any, like, stories, you know, again, you've been with the company so long, I'm sure you have some, like, standout stories in your head of maybe some your, of your most memorable shoots or yeah. the trip we just had to Kauai. Yeah. Dave and I just went on a, a trip. Gosh, when was that? Last Thursday. Thursday. Last Thursday where yeah. we went to Kauai. We left for the airport at 4 in the morning, and then I, I didn't get back home until 10.30 at night. And I was just a little after that because I dropped Kevin off. Yeah, because you dropped me off, and right. I had picked you up, in fact, right. that morning. Right. We're pretty much neighbors also. Yeah. We're like three minutes away from each other. Right, and I, I dropped you off at uh, 10.30, and I got home about quarter to 11. So that was a, a long day. Yeah. And was, um Actually, it was only about uh, 400 or 500 images, something like that. Oh, okay. Edited down. Uh-huh. Uh, it came out to about 390-some. We pretty much went, uh, we went around that island quite a bit. We went to Hanalei. Right. Um, I hiked the Kalalau Trail. And I took off back into uh, Into Hanalei. And the town's doing well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the town's actually really starting to thrive again. Um, I think visitors are still kind of scared, or they just don't know really, like, 
going into Hanalei, if the highways are still open, if the um, Ha'ena State Park, which is a big attraction there, is open. Yeah, we can say everything's pretty much open. One of the things that I liked uh, on that trip was getting to Ha'ena Park yeah. and, and realizing, oh, the park has been kind of modified almost. They did, yeah. They um, they added, uh, in Ha'ena State Park, if you, if you remember before the flooding, you would just find road parking. Right. And that right. was difficult because you're parking on the side of a road and there's hundreds of other cars. Now they yeah. have it... They've um, made it so there's a parking lot, and it's a very nice parking lot yep. with a lot of stalls. Yep. Um, and you actually need a permit before you can get into the parking lot um, yep. that uh, you can get online. You have to get it 20 hours, 24 hours before you arrive at the state park, um, and you can get up to two weeks in advance. And I really recommend kind of getting it as early as possible because yeah. it's, it's pretty tight. It's a good process uh-huh. uh, because it keeps people aware of uh, their surroundings and aware of what it's going to take to get into the park. Yeah. You don't come all the way to the north shore of Kauai mm-hmm. and not know that you're going to you're going to be turned around or yeah. know that you're not going to be turned around when you get to the park. And while I was actually while I was waiting for you to uh, come and pick me up after I'd got done with the hike. The hike's still uh, really beautiful by the way. It's the hike's pretty much unchanged, you know. That was kind of the thing is that this the park is a little new with the parking lot, and they have a really nice little plank walkway over some taro patches yep. um, that leads to Ke'e Beach, which is where you then start the hike. Um, but the hike itself is actually pretty much exactly the same. I hiked to Hanakapiai Beach, um, which is about two miles in, and I didn't see any major differences. Yeah. Um, it's just a beautiful section of the islands. It really is. The North Shore, even though we did get, <laughs> we did get rained out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But that's, um, uh, yeah, that, that point in the afternoon where we thought, uh, there was actually an accident. Yes. Uh, and my my brain almost kicked into spot news. What's gonna What's going on here? Uh-huh. We didn't realize it until we got further along the road and saw the car on the side of the road. It looked like uh, flipped over almost. Yeah, it was flipped over in a ditch. Yeah. And it was a fairly large SUV. It was pretty big. Um, um, and we had been stuck in traffic by the way at this point for about an hour and a half. We were yeah we were like compl- not even moving um right. as we were trying to get back from a high state park back through Honolulu, making phone calls back to the art director yeah saying, rearranging afternoon shoots we're gonna have to do something else it's raining really hard over here and that's kind of you know some of the things that can pop up on a on a photo shoot you know weather yep. can be yeah, unpredictable, can be unpredictable yeah. as always what are some of the things you yeah you're always kind of looking out for on a photo shoot well you, you always go with enough equipment to cover yourself uh-huh what does that mean could you expand on that um in my case i like my own equipment uh-huh. because it is weather resistant that um, is important here yeah we get a lot of quick rains yeah um and and this one was an, another typical case uh, you know probably 45 minutes of torrential downpour where we sat in the car in in traffic and then it stopped and then it stopped and, yeah and and because the climate is what it is mm-hmm. roads dry up pretty quickly yeah uh, the sun pops out yep. and everybody's very happy just back to normal yeah so so i like i like to take my own equipment and unfortunately the company allows us to do that yeah so i take my own equipment which is fairly light mm-hmm. and but still gives me the uh, capability of getting what I need for the magazines. Yeah. It's, it's always the end product is always the, the most important thing. What is it going to be used for? Mm-hmm. Um, initially, at least. Yeah. And we're always looking at uh, the possibility of a cover mm-hmm. and the possibility of a double truck. So we're always looking for an image that can be at least eight and a half inches deep mm-hmm. and 17 inches wide. I see. So that's the kind of technicalities that we uh, re- uh, move to. And what other kind of equipment do you bring to a shoot? I mean, do you have any specific lenses that you look at or 
I, um, I, I like to bring uh, a wide lens, uh, and I'm a zoom guy, so, okay. so I bring zooms with me. I have a wide zoom, a medium zoom, and a telephoto zoom, mm-hmm. uh, but I also bring a couple of extenders in case I need to get something, you know, perchance we see uh, a bear. <laughs> if we saw a bear, yeah, we, would uh, be we, would, we would have a much different yeah. story. But if you see wildlife that's far enough away that you don't want to disturb it, uh-huh. you want to be able to get close enough to shoot it uh-huh. um, without disturbing it. So okay. we bring something that can get us long. Can get a good zoom but in. For, most, for the most part in Hawaii, we're shooting uh, landscape-type landscape shots uh-huh. and anything from portrait to landscape. So you're not shooting super long. Mm. You're... you're, you're tendency is to shoot wide and close and do you um, bring any sort of lighting equipment because I know that the lighting in Oahu or in Hawaii in general can be harsh at times you know when it's like directly overhead you get a lot of shadows you know it's yeah it's kind of rough we we do bring some strobes along uh-huh on a trip like the one to Kauai yeah we had fairly extensive discussions before we went and I knew what we were looking at mm-hmm. and decided the only thing I needed to bring was a small strobe mm-hmm because if you're if you're good with what you do, uh, or what you do, you you can make it work. Yeah. So I I, I brought the, a small amount of uh, lighting, just one strobe, uh, one off camera remote, so mm-hmm. I can put the flash in the position where I want it. And, and you brought a little tripod too. Yeah, I have a, a tripod that absolutely uh, drops down to about six inches. And that thing was very neat in my bag, and it, yeah. it opens out it. It can hold up to 17 pounds. What was the name of the tripod? Oh. Uh-oh. Sorry, I put you on the spot. It's okay. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. You can tell me later. <laughs> if you're curious I, what... I'd have to look at it. It was a very neat little tripod, though. You're right. It, it gets... It's very compact, and it was very light, and it helped, seems to hold your camera, yeah, it, you know, very it, steady. If I, need, if I need to shoot something that uh, uh, I need a long exposure on, mm-hmm. um, and I have to tell you sometime about uh, some of the software that I've discovered on the camera system that I've just bought... Oh. That is really fascinating, mm-hmm. but we can talk about that some other time. We can talk about that some other time. I also like how you bring up um, bringing lightweight equipment. You know, I think that's really important, especially if you're coming to Hawaii and you want to just shoot. You know, amateur. Um, you're moving around a lot when you're here, so bringing like heavy equipment yeah. can really weigh you down. You know, right. especially if you want to try to do hikes or you're just walking a lot. So having a heavy camera really kind of weighs you down almost. Yeah, it does. Um, my backpack, uh, it's not even a backpack, it's a fanny, it's almost like a fanny pack. Yeah. It's, a larger it's fanny, pa- fanny pack. Um, I can give you the name, but I, we don't want to advertise. Oh, they got to pay, pay for that. <laughs> yeah, they do. They got to pay for that. Um, but it's a, a well-known brand uh-huh. uh, that allows me to bring three or four lenses at least and a small tripod. Yeah. Uh, a small tripod and it works very well yeah do you think like yeah just traveling lights pretty yeah, important yeah. well it's important too because if you're carrying a lot of equipment mm-hmm. um, we there are some levels of theft in the islands there is a little bit you want to lock your doors yeah uh, but but I, I, the, I always want to keep my equipment with me uh-huh. rather than putting it on I definitely own. noticed that when we were traveling you would always take your backpack or your little yeah. fanny pack out but, and, and it's it's fortunate that the equipment is small enough that I can do that. Yeah. With the previous brands of equipment that I had, it became a little bit cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sorry, you know, we were. I was trying to. I was trying to segue into you talking about some of the interesting stories oh, okay. that you remember. Let me, let me do that. Yeah, and I know you have a few that you want to, to share with us. It's I, funny. We actually reported recorded this podcast a few weeks ago, but then my um, 
my software uh, ate it. So we're kind of doing this over <laughs> again. So I kind of have a general idea of what you're going to say. but uh, I think the one that you're referring to is probably the one with a previous editor of Hawaii Magazine where we went to uh, Kauai yet again, but we were on the south side. Yes. And we went into Waimea Canyon. Yep. And I saw a shot or I perceived a shot, uh-huh. uh, but it was over the fence on the other side. That's right of the canyon wall yes, and you uh, and so I being a little younger then uh-huh. I decided I was gonna hop the fence and <laughs> I don't recommend this by any means don't hop fences um, it's it, it there was no signs there why it, was it precarious was it on a it was a cliff face <laughs> you're hopping your the fence to a cliff face essentially. yeah yeah but it, the cliff face was at least five or ten yards away from me I have to repeat please do not do this if you're visiting <laughs> yeah yeah this is not recommended uh-huh. but, um, the editor of the previous editor, and of the that magazine. was um, John Heckathorn. John Heckathorn. Yeah, he was a previous Hawaii Magazine editor. Yeah, very well known, beloved um, man, and very prolific. Yeah, and as he saw me going over the fence, he said, "Crocs, if you fall, throw me the card," <laughs> meaning pull the card out if you're going to fall. Yeah, pull the card out. That's kind of a lot to do as you're falling. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. Like, get the SD card out, you know, throw, throw it, back. it at him. And wave goodbye. Yeah, and then, yeah, wave goodbye as you <laughs> plummet. Um, um, but none of that happened, obviously. No, and you got the shot. Uh, there are some other ones, you know, I've been um, pri- very privileged to work, uh, to push a couple of stories uh, to editors and have That's the right. editors say, yeah, we'd love that idea. Uh, one of them, uh, I spent eight days in the Philippines with uh, Aloha Medical Mission. Wow. Uh, working. Eight days. Eight days. Jeez. Um, it was basically. Uh, it's a rare opportunity because typically we, uh, the photography department, does not give more than three days to any publication. That's an unwritten rule. Yeah. But this came up and we kind of approached the editors and said, hey, this is an opportunity that doesn't come very often. Mm-hmm. And so the editors of the magazines were nice enough to grant us permission. I mean, we don't go to editors for permission very often. Yeah. But when it puts, you know, the one photographer at the time, it was just me. Uh-huh. When you we put the one photographer um, out of the office for eight days in a row, that's a long period of time. And it's difficult for the magazines because we, right. we have to share the photographers and, right. and your time obviously is very valuable to us. Right. So so that was that was one uh, episode where we it ended up as a, an eight page mm-hmm. or ten page piece Jeez. in uh, Hawaii Business Magazine. Mm-hmm. And this is only going back uh, probably six years. Um, at, but things have changed a lot in, in the magazine world. Um, to get a magazine to give you eight to ten pages today that's a lot of real estate. That's a lot of paper. It's a lot of... Our yeah. feature wells are typically not that big. Right. Um, um, this was, you know, like I said, back 10 days ago, or ten, uh, six years ago. Um, uh, another one for Hawaii Business was uh, a suggestion that we uh, run a store. Uh, I was going after a photograph um, in the last page of the book they call Parting Shot. Mm-hmm. And it's an aspect of business that the general public doesn't usually get to see. Yeah. Well, in Hawaii, there's a lot of um, military people here, and so we had the idea. I had the idea of uh, being uh, shooting a photograph of myself being drawn into a Coast Guard helicopter after mm-hmm. being rescued from the helicopter and I rescued from the boat and you pitched this to the editor I pitched this to the editor um, who was Steve Petranic Steve Petranic at the time Steve sat back and said give me a couple of days to think about it and I'll come back to you uh-huh. two days later he came back and said 
this was uh, in March of 2012, which was in, uh, six months before the commemoration of 20 years of the passing of Iniki, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Hurricane, Hurricane Iniki, Iniki yeah, which passed over Kauai and decimated, some, Kauai. decimated Kauai, right? So he said, I, what I want you to do is cover not just the Coast Guard, but I want you to cover all the first responders. And once again, Hawaii Business uh, was able to give us a six or seven page um, uh, feature well. You got a lot of room for that. So we did, uh, we did this commemoration of the passing of Iniki. Uh, and with, you did a lot of things. With a response uh, about first responders. So I did... Coast Guard, I did the fire department. Mm-hmm. You rode in an ambulance. I rode in an ambulance for two nights. That must have been wild. Um, well, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was wild. Uh-huh. It wasn't as hectic as I thought it might be. Yeah. You know, ambulance chasing is always like fires and a- uh, accidents uh-huh. and stuff like that. It was more like picking up the person who's having, suffering from emphysema. Oh, I Getting see. to the hospital. Yeah. Um, mother and child having a, a problem breathing. Uh-huh. Pregnant woman. There was no like shock paddles, like yeah, right. losing them and then yeah, like right. shock them back to right. life. Yeah, all the things that you see on, uh, on TV. 911 yeah. on TV and all that kind of stuff. Did, it didn't, you didn't, didn't happen. Oh, but uh, you did get lifted into a helicopter. I, I did get lifted into a helicopter after spending uh, some time with the Coast Guard. I, uh, I wrote to them, asked them about it. Apparently they laughed. Um, but they but protocol di- uh, dictates that they have to send the letter up to the commandant uh-huh. in uh, D.C., they did that. He wrote back and said, give him the chance. He did not laugh. He did not laugh. He yeah. said, this is a golden opportunity for the Coast Guard to be seen in a very good light. It's great PR. So they put me in the helicopter. Uh, they actually put me on a 40-foot skiff, took me five miles south of Oahu. And <laughs> they had to make it as real as possible. And then the helicopter came over and hooked up to the, to the boat. And uh-huh. this is typically how they do it. They run a line down to the boat, and then they run a basket up. They do a couple of practice runs with a... Uh, rescue diver coming down first mm-hmm. on the th- fourth time down he said to me are you ready and I said sure were you ready uh, I was as ready as I was going to be <laughs> I had a GoPro on my chest um, I got in the basket and they folded me up yeah and the GoPro was facing my feet so oh. I stuck my camera out over the edge I was going to say you must have been shooting this entire and, time and fired as we were as I was being hauled up wow it's a seven second haul really yeah well, what was that experience experience like. It's like was it uncomfortable it seems uncomfortable it, it felt a little uncomfortable but in my in the back of my head uh, and under my helmet I had a big smile really because I knew I was getting great shots uh-huh. and uh, one of them was uh, looking out of the basket down the line mm-hmm. that was attached to the back of the Coast Guard skiff and the guys were looking up giving the thumbs up <laughs> so I was that was great, great. yeah I think awesome. they were saying Thank God he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. We got uh, him up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the actual act of drawing me into the helicopter uh-huh. was performed by a rescue diver who was a female. Oh. And she reached out and grabbed me, but the shot I imagined was not the shot that we got. Uh-huh. So then you sit down and you look at all of the images and you edit down to the images you think you're going to be able to use. To run in the magazine. Yeah, it just, it wasn't um, graphic enough. Uh-huh. Um, we were also in the shadows. I the see. sun was behind the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So we went into shadows. So there was a little underexposure. Mm-hmm. Um, on, and that's on, kind of something you have to think about a lot, you know, yeah. with, with, with shooting here is like where the sun is is probably the most important yeah. thing. If you do it, if you're shooting anything in midday, mm-hmm. you've got to be using strobes. Really? Yeah. Because um, you got to fill all those shadows. you just got to, 
got to bring them up at least to the point where they can be printable because mm -hmm. when you go from a, uh, a, a image on the uh, computer to an image that's going to be printed the the values uh, get com compressed that's the color values yeah color values um, from white to black become very compressed I see and so uh, browns become dark and yeah, all that kind of stuff yeah and you know that's kind of interesting too that you talked about how you you had initially pitched this idea to uh, the editor and then you know it kind of rolled from there because uh, we like to try to keep a pretty open dialogue between the photographers and the editors and I know Aaron Yoshino actually pitched me a story on uh, shooting the Pupakea star stargazing oh yeah and that was that actually ended up being a great story you know yeah. I had actually forgotten about that even though it was something I I did as a child with my father so it was kind of interesting coming back to that and again it's much in part thanks to the the photographers um, yeah have you noticed that was, that's kind of like a running I mean, have you seen any other newsrooms that listens to their photographers like that, or is this? Uh, it's been it's been my experience in the two newsrooms that I've worked in. Uh huh. Uh, they were always um, listening. The, the editors were always listening to the photographers because it 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 takes a, a village to run a, a you know. Uh, yeah, a village a news, and a half. Uh, yeah, to run a newsroom. Yeah. And you can't if you have an editor who has a closed mind uh, about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, Editors are pretty, are pretty strong about looking at everything. Yeah. Getting the left and the right, or the uh, one side of the story and the other. They don't want just the single-sided story. Yeah. So they're very open-minded anyway. Mm -hmm. And when you come along with an idea, um, they'll they'll listen to your ideas. Yeah. Uh, and it, sometimes it uh, it takes that kind of conversation to decide whether or not. Does it go with our brand, mm -hmm. or does it fit with another brand? That's true. Sometimes you, uh, sometimes we get pitched stories that we think is like, oh, that's not really Hawaii Magazine, but that is definitely a Hawaii business, you know. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll actually end up shuffling those pitches off to Steve or yeah. um, or towards Honolulu's side. One would hope that you know, when magazines have Hawaii in their title, mm -hmm. there there are stories that can be used in both. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, sometimes the the business side of stories. Uh, is more important for a Hawaii business than it yeah. is for Hawaii. and sometimes the business side is more interesting. Yeah. So, um, just kind of you know we're getting a little late into the podcast, but you know before you go, I just kind of want to ask you just the biggest, most, um, the best advice you can give to someone who's not a professional photographer. You know, just coming here to shoot Hawaii. Um, just what they need to know. What's just some general advice you can give? Maybe some of our listeners who. Again, not pros, right. have a camera, but you know, just know their way around the buttons. Just um, know your equipment mm -hmm. and, and be prepared uh, for pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, just because the, the environment, if you come here the first time um, as a visitor and you're bringing a camera with you, you're gonna, it's gonna be um, visual overload. <laughs> you will, you'll be seeing so many things that you want to photograph that if you're with somebody who's a non-photographer, um, I'm married to my wife. You know, you're you know, married to your wife? Yes, I've been, been married to my wife for a long time. Uh, she is She's a great person. She listens to my photo stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. She puts some, up with it is what you're saying. Yeah, she puts up with it. Um, but know your equipment Yeah. so that you can get the kind of photographs that you want. Um, I would, uh, equipment-wise, I would bring uh, yeah, the, we call, we talk about Aaron and I always talk about the Golden Trio, uh, a wide 
a medium and a telephoto lens. Okay. Or if you're a zoom person like me, you bring a wide zoom, a, tele, a medium zoom, and a telephoto zoom. Mm-hmm. In typical parlance of the photographers, a 16 to 35 as one lens, a, a, a 24 to 70 as a second lens, and a 70 to 200. And you will get great you photos. Get everything you need. Yeah, you, you won't get everything, but you'll get 99% of it. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, David, for coming down and my pleasure coming down again to sit and talk to us. Um, I know. Yeah, we've had pretty busy weeks, but yeah, thanks for coming and making the time to talk to us. You can find you have an Instagram account. Yes, I do. What is it? Mag at Mag Photo Guy. M A G P H O T O G U Y. Uh huh. And you can find David there, yep. um, where he posts really awesome uh, surfing pictures, and. Anything that I happen to see, and anything else you shoot. Yeah, if I'm if I'm testing equipment, you'll if you go to that account, you'll see what equipment I'm presently using. Mm-hmm. How I've mag- migrated away from from full frame mm-hmm. to uh, micro four thirds mm-hmm. uh, format. But for the techies out there, I also have a medium format camera for the days when I need to shoot really good portraits. So if you want to see that, we yeah. can make we can make David uh, insta famous. Yes. Um, you can always follow us at uh, hawaiimagazine.com. Please like and subscribe our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, yeah, we still offer both platforms, and I think that's all we've got to say for this week. Um, hopefully this podcast doesn't delete itself, and I can actually get this episode up. Okay. Um, thank you all for joining us. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.